welcome to the Cinematographically Speaking podcast. I'm John. And I'm Steven. And that's it. No one else, no one else showed up. Uh, We've been abandoned. We've been abandoned. Uh, Everybody, due to, we knew Troy wasn't going to show up, which is a shame, because Troy has proclaimed himself the world's foremost expert on the film Videodrome. Um, Yes. And, uh, yeah, but, and then Brody woke up late, didn't watch it. I think, uh, I actually watched Videodrome for the first time with Troy in college. Uh, So this is my second time watching it, and I remember my brain was so stupid and garbled, and... I guess I I don't really know all the things that uh, led to this state of mind, but I basically just didn't even pay attention to the film. <clears throat> or at least I didn't see, like, the value in it. Um, so the second viewing was super useful, super good. Uh, so this, first, yeah. this was your second viewing? This was my second viewing, yeah. But really, you know, my first viewing, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that makes sense. You didn't, yeah. you didn't really watch the movie. I did not. I did not really watch the movie the first time. Yeah. Just a reminder to everyone, if you watch a movie, you're not watching the same movie as we are. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, okay, yeah. Um, Troy actually called me a couple days ago, and he, um, he told me that he wants me to discuss a specific line, um, which... I was waiting for that line to happen, and it finally happened, and I, I'm very confused by it. So, we'll see if you have anything to say about that. But, yeah, um, we'll piece together a, a theory yeah, on which the spot. We can, yeah, which I, I don't know if we want to start with that or if you want to... I mean, I guess, I guess we should probably give a little bit of opening thoughts. Sure. Okay, you want to go first? Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought the movie was... Very good, super American. I felt that about, you know, 15 minutes in, I was like, my God, this movie is so American. Uh, And that's not a, you know, bad or good thing. It just was so interesting to see how, you know, film is developing, because we've been spending so much time with European films in general, besides, you know, Departure for, uh, what, didn't we watch? We watched a couple American films, right? We watched some Orson Welles. Yeah, we watched F for Fake, and, um, <clears throat> is that it? No, and, uh, Terrence Malick? Oh, yeah, or just right? Days of Heaven. But yeah. that was, yeah, that we kind of, we kind of have asked yeah, that one. Yeah, though. we, we, we but, glossed over that one, poor Malick. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, like, this was a true American film, and was talking, talking about, you know, a global issue, which was interesting, but it still felt like an issue that Americans, or at least the Western culture as we, like, subtly or, uh, what's the word, implicitly describe it, like, through an American lens, because, like, the Western world and globalized society is very American. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it it was interesting to to see it speak to that um, and capture that so well and be like a... um, a very uh, sincere um, examination of it. It's hard to find those sorts of things. Um, at least it's hard to find them done well. So I like the movie a lot. 
What'd you think? What'd you think? Um, yeah, I like this. I'd never seen it before. Um, I've been wanting to watch some watch some Cronenberg because I keep hearing about this guy. Um, but yeah, I liked it. It was it was good. Um, I wasn't like super blown away by it, and I know you'll have to you'll have to convince me of like the um, more sincere examination you're talking about of the issues it's covering because. Um, well, I did enjoy this film, and I liked it a lot. It felt much more like a really cool film. Mm. And, uh, I don't know, I was not I was not tapped into any kind of super sophisticated, or maybe not sophisticated so much as just, uh, like, very clear, honest dialogue with an idea. Right. I think, um, I think that's a great place to jump off. I think maybe... When I'm using the word sincere, um, it's more like the, I think that the director had a, had a real, uh, what's the word, like, um, mm, like was prescient, you know, as far as uh, thinking about what the problems in the future would be like, the near future, because this is an 80s movie, you know, so the, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so like internet culture doesn't exist yet, you know the eight and so like internet culture doesn't exist yet, you know the eight and I had a moment and it's super cliche and cringe to think, but my God, dude, the '80s were 40 years ago, you know? Yeah. That's yeah, that's so crazy to me, but uh, um, no, so so sincere. I don't mean it's sincere in the way that uh, some some of the Euro movies we've been watching are sincere in that they. Uh, really want to um, pull your heartstrings in an honest way through, uh, like, without any music or anything like that, such as Hanukkah or whatever. But uh, Or, like, even in Bergman, you generally have these relatively cold environments and cold situations, yet still we just see, like, a, like a really rich, um, like, human experience underneath each character, right? Um, amidst, like, a relatively cold world. Um, and so those are sincere. The reason I think that this is sincere is that, <clears throat> like, I felt like there was a very unique vision coming through in the, uh, like, fear that Cronenberg wants to capture. Um, not to say that, uh, it, you know, we take it for granted now, I think how uh, obvious, like, the problems of the internet and mass media culture and, like, mass consumption of, like, media and things like that are. But I think that, uh, I think that this film was early in its deft handling of the subject. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, and I mean, I think that the, uh, the coolness, which is contributed to by the, uh, uh, like, makeup department and, like, effects department mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, like, I think those also, also like, serve such a, um, I don't know, they, they serve their function very well, which is to, like, kind of revolt you and make you kind of, like, uh, you know, uh, step back, thinking that the whole situation is grotesque, um, which I think is good, and I do like just the general, like, relationship between, like, um, sexual organs, sexual fantasy, and consumption of media, because all those things 
feel like they can be made gross when like compared with each other or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, I think I think as far as um, just to not walk back what I've said, but um, maybe just uh, make it a little bit wider. Um, I mean, I think that as far as like its relevance. I mean, yeah, the whole time I, I kept thinking about, like, internet culture and, like, um, and, I don't know, like, Live Leak came to mind, uh, mm-hmm. while watching it, and, um, it, yeah, and I think, I think that there, well, I can't think of any other examples, I think, um, other examples of kind of, like, early, like, um, kind of, uh, like, paranoia about media, um, pieces th- they are like a th- that's like a central idea to what somebody's trying to communicate like I think a lot of those sometimes make me cringe a little bit because it seems like obvious and like you have to look at it purely in its time you know like as like a, an artifact of this is how it was like this was not like uh, a well understood or like something that's everybody is already thinking about which Maybe true for this film, but it's also, um, I, I also do think that, uh, I mean, it didn't, it didn't rub me wrong in that way. Like, it didn't, it didn't mm-hmm. make me cringe at any time, like, oh, this is so obvious, you know? Like, it, it did seem, right, it right. did seem more nuanced than that. Like, it wasn't just, like, uh, as, like, brutal or blunt yeah. as, as it might have been. Um, or as it, like, it might be in other things other movies um yeah um yeah I think um I think I I like left the movie still feeling relatively confused um I have like a couple ideas concerning the um the phrase you know long live the new flesh and how he kills himself at the end, uh, and the general, like, cathode ray mission idea, uh-huh. um, but overall I still don't feel like I understand the film that well, and there were moments early on, maybe I could, I don't know, maybe, like, if I had some, uh, rem- like, reminders or, like, some cues, some imagetic cues to get me thinking about it again, there were some moments early on where I felt like they were, um, pretty pretty good, like, exposés as to how, like, ideology functions in general, um, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was interesting, but uh, I'm kind of, like, blanking on them at the moment, so maybe we can, maybe we can take a tour through the movie a little bit, or, like, uh, or anything, I don't know. I mean, I, I see the, the, um, well, I might not be able to express it explicitly, explicitly right now, I feel like the, the TV interview is like one of the first kind of like introductions to the wider world or something and the more and like the different opinions going back and forth about media um if that's has anything to do with what you're talking about um Um, maybe there's something interesting about how we learn later on that that character never existed or at least has been dead right and that that recording was just sent in um, so maybe there's something interesting there. 
uh, and that he, oh right, it's that, it's that he thought that the tumor, uh, what was it, he thought that Videodrome causes tumor, not that yeah, the, the video, yeah, yeah, the Videodrome caused the tumor and that the, or wait, doesn't he, he says something like the hallucinations caused the tumor and not right. the other way around. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> uh, there's something there. Um, yeah, and then the hallucinations, of course, are Videodrome, and Videodrome was meant to be picked up by, or as like a psyop meant for James Woods to pick up on. James Woods' character, what's his name? Uh, what's his name? Max. Max Wren, yeah. Maybe that's a flaw of the movie. A, a totally side point, like, I did not enjoy Max Wren, uh, the acting. I did not enjoy James Woods' acting. Yeah, I um, didn't think, I didn't think you know. he was fantastic. I was not, I was not convinced by his, like, looks of horror. Yeah. When his body is, when, when he gets that, like, vaginal cavity in his abdomen. Yeah. In, like, the video slot. Um, <clears throat> what's up with the gun? What's up with him shoving the gun in his abdomen? Why does he shove the gun in his abdomen? It's right after something, right? Is it right after he visits and talks with, uh, the cathode ray mission? And then he yeah. buys a gun? Right? Yeah, and then, and, then, and then he has a gun, or he buys a gun, and then he's sitting down and watching, uh, he's sitting down and watching the tape of, um, of Professor Oblivion, and he, uh, and then he shoves it in his abdomen, I think. Yeah, I... I can only see the really lame, non-thematic meaning, and that is, you know, somehow he's being programmed to put it there so that he can then be used, part of, you know, part of the long con is by the daughter to get yeah. him to kill or turn on uh, spectacular optics. Yeah. Uh, and then so this is all, essentially, he's being, like, brainwashed into doing it, and he's not even thinking about doing it. But I think that that's not not the full picture. Um, there's, uh, do you, do you, do you remember what the scene is? What's the image that, uh, causes him to turn? He watches something on the TV. Oh, no, it's the TV shoots him. Is that what it is? I forget. There, there's oh, some, at there's the, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, what yeah. happens, you, yeah, when he turns on, like, yeah, yeah. So she, um, she is in, uh, Bianca Oblivion puts on, Videodrome, and then he is watching, um, Nikki, and so then he gets, like, enchanted by it or whatever, and she, and then she takes, I think the, it shooting him is her taking the tape out, or something, and, well, she's, like, telling him that Nikki got killed, or something, and, well, she's, like, telling him that Nikki got killed, on the right. show, and that, like, the whole time she hasn't existed, so it's, like, this, like, uh, uh, thing, this, like, object that he's, like, being, uh, manipulated with that is Nikki, like, turns out that she's hasn't been real the entire time, and he's been interacting with an image the whole time. Yeah. 
and then and so it's like it's that and then she says something like the the taking out of the the videotape is like brutal or something like that and then that's that's when he turns yeah all right all right we need let's we gotta pick we gotta pick something here because uh, I keep thinking that there's something to these scenes, and I'm having a difficult time actually, like, I don't know, drawing, like, a, a comprehensive analytical circle that the whole thing can fall into. Uh-huh. Uh, or not even that. I'm having a problem just, uh, like, little dots. I can't even make, like, dots of meaning right now. Yeah. Although, although early on, I'd say in the first quarter of the film, there's tons of... That's when, like, the most um, kind of, like, explicit... I don't know, philosophical discussion is going on or something like that. Um, or if not, like, explicit, th- it's where most of the dialogue is occurring. Up, Like, up until the first visit to the cathode ray mission, I think that's where we hear them talk about entertainment and what's next and what he wants, you know, what Max wants from the pirate station and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let's see, let's see. <laughs> Would you think? Would you think about uh? Would you think about him sticking the needle in her ear? Oh my gosh, she was crazy. That was pretty intense. I was like, when she like is like, you should take out your Swiss Army knife and cut me right here. I was like, oh no. And then, yeah, I mean that's like that's like his first like uh, like induction into uh, the violence becoming real or whatever that he's like right attracted to like um as media. And like I don't know, I mean, I mean that that just kind of like brings to mind um, this idea that like watching things like you don't you like the whole time you kind of hold this caveat of like, well this isn't real, you know, mm-hmm. and so and so like this is the first time that it like that uh, uh, want for this kind of media and stuff that where like the the line becomes blurred mm-hmm. um, between it being something that he views and he knows like quote unquote knows is fake or something, and, um, and it, like, entering into, into, like, physical reality, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think another moment is, uh, when they're on the interview, and he remarks on her dress, and he says, like, what'd you wear that dress, you know, and he's hitting on her for the first time, um, I think that there's actually something to be said about that desire, like, you know, why does one wear such, like, a flashy, attractive dress? Well, it's, it's like, to make... Like, I think that there's some sort of fantasy when we're dressing up, you know? We play some sort of, uh, game, uh, imagining what other people will think when they see us, you know? Mm-hmm. And whether we want to be hit on for real or not, in general, there's some sort of, like, uh, you know, once-removed thing where we, we know it's not real, um... But we, but we like still, like act out the part as if uh, we crave some sort of like sexual attention or something, something like that. Even when we're not, you know, I'm not trying to say don't slut shame, you know. I'm not trying to yeah. say slut shame, but uh, <laughs> but that there's some there's something going on when we dress up. I think uh, that connects to that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're definitely participating in uh, some kind of like in-between game or something, um, mm-hmm. 
where, which is like the whole point is that it's like it's not explicit um, mm-hmm. whether or not like like what you want other people to do and what um, you expect other people to do, blah blah blah. Right. And like that's what that's what makes it like attractive or like, um, yeah. <sighs> Anyways, uh, like just start just start playing the film, John. All, All right. the viewers, <laughs> we're gonna just watch the film and maybe something will come to mind. Why are you looking up Debbie Ryan? Huh? Oh wait, are you not watching the film right now? Am I streaming the wrong screen? No, you're streaming Chrome. <laughs> oh my gosh. Actually, it's Vivaldi, not Chrome. Oh, Vivaldi, sorry. Messed up. Okay, yeah, I, I messed that up. Here you go. You seeing it now? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I've been I've been streaming it this whole time, like scrubbing through it as we we're talking. Oh, I can't see the image, but I see the captions. Oh, isn't that, isn't that oh maybe there's some kind of protection thing on Amazon Prime. Oh, oh. Dude, that's crazy. I rented it, too. Wait, let me see if mine is still there. You've rented this. Watch again. Okay. I've still got some on my rental. Okay, I'm at, I'm at 11.17. Do we, we could talk about, um, Professor Oblivion and, like, this idea that, uh, he's been dead, but he's, like, using the, I don't know, I really, I like that kind of reveal that he's been dead for 11 months or whatever, and that he exists just as, like, this library, like, this archive right. of him. And, um, yeah, I thought, that was, uh, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, and there's some sort of uh, prediction of usernames, right? Because he, mm-hmm. says some, he said something like, soon we'll all have alternate names or something like that, fake names. Um, which I thought was fun, you know? And the whole time you're thinking about this library or this database. Oh, and he says something like, uh, monologue was his preferred method of discourse, which made me laugh out loud. It made me mm-hmm. actually chuckle, because I thought that was so funny. Um, what, does it, what does it mean, though, John? What the fuck does it mean? Oh, no, man. Oh, man. I've been, I've been, <laughs> filtered, I've been filtered by this movie, and as, like, a cope, I'm like, yeah, the whole, I, it's cool. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'm kind of being filtered right now. Should I just should I just say what what um what Troy what his his thing that he wanted me to cover is? Yeah. All right. So uh, near the end, when he goes back to Spectacular Optics, that's what it's called, right? Yeah. Um, around one yeah one fourteen eleven. He goes in and he interacts with this. Uh, this dude, what's his name? I don't know. He's like he like uh, Broly, is a black guy. Yeah. And 
he like stops him from walking back. He's like, they call me Brovi, blah blah blah. He's like, just looking. And then he said, yeah, he asked what he's doing, and he's like, just looking. And he said, well, that's a good one. And then he says, there ain't much to see here, but take your time and have a good look anyway. And then he addresses this woman, and he says, yeah, this is one hell of a script you got here, as in, like, prescription. Mm-hmm. And then he says, <laughs> very tricky grind. Can't imagine you'd see things too, too clear without them, you know? Yeah. And the script is what... The word script is... Like, Troy called me on Friday and was like, somebody will say the word script, and I need you guys to talk about that line for me. <laughs> I think he's memeing. No, dude. No, he was serious. He, well, how would he have... He hasn't seen the movie in years. How do you remember that some guy says script? I think I, maybe maybe Troy really finds the man's accent funny. <laughs> I unironically think that that could be slightly relevant here. Oh, no. uh, or maybe maybe he just got like he got like super schizo on this line and thought that it, it like explained everything or something. Yeah, he just so, had nothing to do so, with the movie. But I don't know, man. I mean, like, why does he get stopped by this guy? And why... I mean, he's such, like, a... He, he seems almost like a sudden, like, interjection into this, like... Uh, this, like, uh, little line that we've got going of him, like, running around and he's gonna go kill the guys. And suddenly this guy just, like, shows up and he's... I mean, he's the first guy with any kind of an accent that isn't just American, you know? And he's like, I don't know, I mean, I don't know, it seems, maybe it's relevant, maybe like him, like, he's meant to stick out the way that he does. Well, and I do love that the first thing he does is make a joke, because the guy says, uh, James Woods' character says, like, just looking, and he says, that's a good one, you know? Which, uh, you know... I think that's supposed to be a joke about the pun about saying just looking at an eyeglass oh, yeah. store, you know, yeah. something like there. Okay, and uh, I'm still I'm gonna keep watching. So there ain't much to see here, but take your time and have a good look anyway. Um, I mean, maybe there's something to that. Yeah, this is one hell of a script you got here. Yeah, I mean, I guess you know, the if you want to, if you want to like go over the moon with this analysis, maybe there's something <laughs> to Cronenberg was uh, Cronenberg was aware that there was uh, some lack to his film, you know, or something uh -huh. like that, and that but that there was something about it being tricky to make, uh, yeah, and things being relatively unclear because he's aware that he's operating in this like relatively surreal aesthetic, you know, yeah. Um, so maybe it's just this like interjection of the director of being like self-aware that the movie of the movie shortcomings and what it comes across as, you know? Yeah. Um maybe there's something like that going on. I don't know. I kind of I kind of buy that. Um because yeah. I mean it did seem it did seem like if it was that it was a very on the nose moment. Um mm -hmm. and I mean it seems to be a very on the nose point if it is a point at all. Mhm. Mm um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why 
Troy wanted us to talk about that. Maybe maybe he wanted to talk about that because he wanted us to just like say that and be like, yeah, there's nothing more to see here, but we can take a good look anyways. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't want to get, I don't want to be pranked by Troy. I'm feeling yeah. filtered yeah. right now. No, you know what? I'm not even feeling that filtered. I'm feeling, <sighs> look, look, what can we say about this film, John? What can we say? I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of avoiding, like, just going detail by detail and talking about, like, social commentary and how it applies today or something. Right, right. I suppose that's something that's really enjoyable, but it feels political if you do that. Yeah, which I don't know. I mean, maybe the film is more political yeah. than the... I mean, I don't know. Or but at least maybe that's political. its lasting power, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it certainly is ripe with political commentary like I don't know I mean I mean like the the people who are behind it are like uh, some agency or whatever that makes like uh, laser uh, guidance well, systems yeah. for <laughs> yeah. NATO and stuff yeah they make glasses for kids in Africa and a laser guidance system for bombs for like <laughs> or something like that yeah yeah um yeah I don't know, man. I like this homeless guy before he goes back, like right before that moment we were talking about this homeless guy with the TV. Um, and he's like... Oh, yeah, you gotta pay, right? Yeah, I thought that was so ridiculous. I was just imagining, like, a homeless person who's got, like, a like a PC that's, like, running, like, Call of Duty or something. <laughs> like, on the, on, the <laughs> yeah. on the side of the street. You gotta pay if you want to play a game of free-for-all on uh, Favela. Yeah. Um, maybe uh, maybe we could talk about Marsha or Marsha Marsha, the Is like kind of gypsy, lady? the older gypsy lady. Yeah, yeah. Uh, cause later on we see that she that he's been whipping her as opposed to just, um, like in reality he's been whipping her as opposed to his other who we come to know as a fl- uh, hallucination, but the uh, what's her name? Nikki. Nikki, right? So, yeah. like, there's this interchangeability between the two. Um, one being a sexual object that he desires, and then the other one being, like, this, like, you know, old, relatively erotic, in the sense that an old person can be erotic, like, gypsy lady, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Is there, uh, is there anything here? I don't know. I mean, she seems to represent some kind of, like, um, attachment to, like, the, like, kind of the the softcore uh, porn, which is, like, the, uh, something like the kind of, like, older conception of, like, uh, uh, sexual media, and, like, which, I mean, I, I think that that as, like, an idea is something like, uh, um, I don't know, like, keeping, keeping, like, the sexual, like, behind the veil, you know? Like, and keeping it, like, like, uh, more akin to, I mean, I don't know, it's more erotic, you know what I mean, than, like, yeah. what he wants, which is just explicit violence. Yeah, and even, and, in a sense, it, it's something funny, like, when you have, like, this love or the softcore nature to it, there's, like, um, I see why you say that there's, like, a veil, um, but 
but there is something just more realistic about it too. Um, yeah. And like thing, you know. Uh, what was I gonna say? Well, that's that's interesting because because he says that what he wants to show is more real. Right. But there's something not true about that. The world, oh yeah. You know. Yeah. But but at the same, you know. It, it's true that there is some sort of like unbridled raw like sexual primal power that like eats away at people or something like that sure but obviously like in life people fall in love and they don't you know a majority of people will never engage in some sort of like bondage activity you know some sort of like pain uh i mean of course like we have psychic pain pleasure relationships but uh but nothing like that um so in in my mind, it's almost like he's trying to transcend some sort of like real relationship through like this extreme hardcore stuff. Um, the same way maybe like people try to transcend um, reality by having like, okay, maybe here's an idea. People will watch like gratuitous film violence, horror, things like this um, as like an attempt to escape. Um, whereas you could say that, say maybe watching a Bergman film where you rarely get like something that feels gratuitous i mean there could be moments of horror but it doesn't never feels gratuitous you know yeah um, it's not like an action movie or a horror movie or something like that um and that those oh, actually like man. feel more real even though clearly everything's still scripted there, there's something about them um and how so you might liken bergman to softcore porn in this case i just i then, just uh, steven yeah I just bumped my power cord and turned off my computer. Oh my god, dude. No, but listen, I'm recording on an external microphone, so we don't have to restart recording, so don't hit stop. Oh my (laughs) god, okay. I just need to buy a new power strip, dude. This is bad, but I barely pumped the cord and bumped the cord and it just turns off. Dude, it's so funny how scuffed this fucking podcast is. Yeah, it's not, it's not great. Nothing to say. Bumping the power cord. I basically just said Bergman is softcore porn. I've just spent a while talking about how Bergman is softcore, and then, like, cinema is hardcore porn. <laughs> That's basically all I just said. My god. Uh, we need Troy. No, we don't need anyone. This movie sucks. Call me filthy. I don't care, Fortune. Whatever. Also, you cannot tell me that James Woods does not look like Alex. For the viewers at home, our friend Alex. <laughs> yeah, he does look quite a lot like Alex. He's got the same cheekbone structure. Yeah. Cheekbone structure, true. That's what it is. Kind of like a long face, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Um. <clears throat> oh, man. Okay, we're gonna, we're gonna turn on the VPN. Yeah, I don't know. He... What was I going to say? I was going to say... Oh, I don't know, man. Troy, Troy, like, used to be obsessed with this movie. True. True. But he was and, younger. Yeah, when he was younger. I mean, I think I think he's less obsessed with the movie. Um, and, like, he, he expressed all of these things when, when he called me to tell me to talk about the script thing. Yeah. Uh, and said, like... I loved this movie. This is used to be one of my favorite movies. 
There's a lot to talk about. A lot to talk about, huh? Yeah, and I don't know if he's kidding or... I mean, he's probably not kidding. I mean, he did love this film. The film... Uh, well, I'm watching it, you know, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying yeah, no, it, and, no, I'm, no, and I'm feeling like... I, it, it feels like I'm not just watching, you know, some, uh, you know... You know, whatever movie that's just trying to make me think that it's cool. Even even though you said early on, you know, you said something like the movie, you walked away feeling like this was just kind of a relatively cool movie and you're not sure what to say. That was a paraphrasing yeah. of your first thoughts or... Yeah, um, pretty much. Yeah, so like... I'm back, I'm back on my computer, so. I think I can mostly agree with that, except I didn't feel that way while I was watching it. While I was watching it, I felt like I was watching... Uh, you know, a piece of art or something like that. Yeah, um, no, I agree. Oh. <laughs> I love the... I, there's just tons of things... I love the idea of him putting this apparatus on his head to record his, op his hallucinations. I love that idea. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I feel like we're not given... Um, uh, like, it, it doesn't feel like we've now switched into hallucination. Even though I know that's what we were supposed to feel, it kind of feels like the tone of the movie has relatively stayed the same, although it's kind of accelerating. But things had already been moving in that direction, regardless of him putting that headset on. Um, and so, in general, I didn't feel like that moment was... Hmm. As epic as it could have been. Uh, I don't know. Um, are we at that point, like, for the rest of the film, are we just, like, watching his hallucination? Uh, I think so. But, I mean, you know, well, because this The problem is, is that the hallucination is not... I don't know. Like, he, he wakes up in bed. That's how that scene kind of ends. He wakes yeah. up in his bed, and then it, the hallucination's continuing, you know? Yeah. And then and then the he calls the dude over and there's no one in his bed and then they go and then he basically gets told he get you know, then it's all revealed to him that this was all meant to control him. So this all could be a hallucination, yes. Um or not, I don't know. It doesn't it, it might not matter explicitly, but the the point is that it serves as a mechanism to allow like for more and more absurd things to occur. Uh, like this, I think the the headset kind of leads you down the rabbit hole kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I didn't feel like there was ever this moment where he got out and could look back, which I would have fun as a viewer. And I mean, you could say that's uh, actually a point of the film is that, you know, he basically succumbs to this kind of like, I don't know, these two different ideologies of that he's being pulled towards. One is the church, and then the other one is spectacular optical, right? Um, and so eventually he, like, dies as a result or something. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't fucking know, dude. Okay, well, what, what did you... What did you, you said you had thoughts about the... the... the new Flash. Oh, um... Let's see. Or, or were you kidding? <laughs> Uh, I think I might have said something like, I may have thoughts. I mean, 
the obvious take is, you know, we're entering this new, the newosphere, this next sphere of existence that has to do with the internet and this battleground of ideologies, and that like there isn't uh, necessarily, you know, and, and and so like the way these ideologies will be conveyed to people will be uh, through media and media consumption, things like that, and that they're essentially, you know, uh, a lot of like agency is being lost by people. So when he says "long live the new flesh," I think it's like. You know, it's ultimately tragic, obviously, because either direction he's being led by a cause, right? An ideology, one being spectacular optical, and then the other one later on being the mission of cath the cathedral mission. Yeah. In either case, he's just a vessel that basically has no control, and it yeah. seems like both, uh, both causes seek to control people through the media. Um, yeah. And. Um, yeah, so so just that final declaration is just a tragic declaration and kind of uh, shows how far down down the hole he is or something like that, maybe? I don't know, that's yeah. a take. Well, the, the, the cathode ray mission, it seems that their, like, goal or whatever is something like... I mean, it seems to, to be implied that, like, there's no coming back or whatever from, like, this transformation. Yeah. And that... So in, so in order to deal with it like we have to like fight like ideologically or whatever or right. something like that there, yeah there is there is there's definitely like a acceptance associated with the cathode ray mission right mm -hmm. um yeah <laughs> hey man it was a really cool movie though <laughs> he takes yeah, the sick. VHS tape and puts it in his stomach pussy. Yeah, and then there, there's like the the part with the uh, dude, the part where he first like is watching Videodrome and and it's Nikki, mm -hmm. and he like walks up to the TV and he mm -hmm. like puts mm -hmm. his face like in like the flesh of like the TV or whatever you know. Yeah, that was like such a disgusting image. Like the I don't know it like looked like like breasts or something like he's just like, cause it's not it's not like he was like going like through the TV or something like that you know like he wasn't sticking his head inside of it he's like pressing himself up against it. Yeah. Oh, so so gross. Yeah. Um, yeah. Think, maybe we can contrast that with the moment so he eventually enters Videodrome. And is whipping her, although of course we find out like he's been whipping Marsha or whatever. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, there is something about how the first time it's more like she's there and he's rubbing against the TV trapped on the outside, watching the object, you know. Yeah. Um, and he like, like, you know, he still like feels like erotically like captivated by it. Mm -hmm. But then, um, yeah. But then later on, he's fully entered. I mean, you might think about, I mean, this movie can obviously make you think of, like, VR porn that is obviously going to become more and more common and already is, like, becoming common, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, that's just a side thought, but that there's something, hmm, there's something really odd about when you're fixated with the screen 
and like the images being presented with you versus when you've like totally entered. Uh, obviously, the line is uh, blurry. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, one thing is that so so there's two times that he ends up in the video drone room, mm. and one time is the first time he has like a sexual interaction with Nikki, and he like yeah. puts the needle through her ear. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's interesting about that is like what they're doing. I mean, they're obviously participating in some kind of, like, masochistic thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but there's still something, like, um, kind of explicitly sexual about it. Like, I mean, or like, normal or something. Like, because they're still, like, lying there naked, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, spooning or whatever. But then, like, the, the second time, uh, first of all, he's not... He's not he's not whipping her, he's whipping the TV. Like he's like whipping like the image. Oh. Um which I which is more a response to what you were saying, which I, I, yeah, I think I think that that's obviously important. Like he's not whipping her. Um, oh, right. You're right. You're totally right. Yeah. But at that at that point it's like he's purely like interacting with the image. Like he's no longer there's no like the 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 i don't know like he he's like totally cucked or something i don't know mm-hmm. <laughs> as opposed to there being like some kind of uh some kind of physicality um, yeah yeah i don't know man why why haven't we read Baudrillard, huh <laughs> That's funny. Look, it wouldn't matter because this film is literally saying nothing. <laughs> and it's even aware that it's saying nothing. Yeah, as the as the man in in the in the shop says. As the chaman says. As chaman. Oh. Dude, I don't know, man. Dude, I like this part when he goes to the convention, and, uh, I like this, like, dance number and stuff, you know? And I, and so, doing what's kind of interesting is that it seems like it's some kind of, like, it's kind of, like, new-agey, like, aesthetics. Like, um... Like this... <laughs> I don't know, it does remind me, it's, like, super, uh... What does it remind me of? It reminds me of, like, those people in the Hunger Games. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the Hunger Games where they all wear those, yeah. like, sparkly things, you know? <laughs> yeah. Dude, what, what, there's, like, this, like, little play that's going on, too. Like, there's, like, a jester, and then there's, like, all these people, and then there's, like, the artist. And he's, like, yeah, and then they break block. out of the ice block. And then he, yeah, he, like, chips away, like, the, the stone or whatever. And the whole time they're, like, looking through these eyeglasses. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's like they, it's, uh, you know, it's only through those lenses that it even appears as art or something like that. Or maybe they're always operating through these glasses, right? You can't take them off. Ooh, okay, hold the on. lenses of ideology or something? Yeah, 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 okay, yeah. There's, like, this can't mean anything unless, like, you're... Like, this can't be a piece of art or something unless you have, like, this ideological framework. Yeah. 
And then she walks around trying to offer the glasses to people, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then, okay, and and then, then some of them take them off, and now they're just dancing. Hmm. What and then and then like hold on then you have the 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 script comment and he's like <laughs> I don't know this only makes sense if you if you put on the glasses yeah be tough like, to this make only anything makes out sense tough grind be tough to make anything out without these or something like that yeah yeah it's yeah like, it's gonna be hard it's gonna be hard to examine this movie without without some kind of ideology applied to it. Yeah. Why does he say your head? What's in the box and he says your head? Oh, is that a seven yeah. reference? <laughs> <laughs> seven reference ten years before his yeah. <laughs> Maybe This, this guy maybe predicted seven. Maybe seven is yeah predicted seven. The Simpsons predicted seven. Um, I don't know. I mean, I immediately thought back to the uh, well when you get to the show and he like cracks open the head out of the block or whatever. I immediately thought back to that him Ooh. saying that his head's in the box. Yeah. Wait. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Say that again. So so the mar you're saying that the marble. Yeah, the marble block. Yeah, yeah. And they like they like bust it open, and then the heads in the mar in the in the marble. I immediately thought back to oh your your heads in this box. Yeah. Um. I was thinking about how. Like the first thing that came to my mind was the. Um, the apparatus that he puts on his head to record the hallucination, and for some reason I thought that. Like. I don't know why, but I thought that his... I, never mind. That's just what it made me think of when I saw the Oh, box. oh, okay, okay. But, but, the, okay, yeah. But I... That would make sense, that would make sense, but then he says that they already analyzed it. Mm. They already analyzed his hallucinations. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting that they're, like, analyzing... Like, I mean, I don't know, you, you'd imagine... I mean, I don't know, maybe there's some kind of commentary going on about, like, analyzing... Like, uh, sexual fantasy and stuff. Yeah, well, and then this other, more, like, uh, boring idea, but maybe, you know how, with, t like, obviously today we experience tailored advertising all the time, and tailored media creation, so, like, the creation of media is meant and tailored to people's, uh, like, interests and desires, right? Mm -hmm. And, like, it be they become more and more that way. For instance... You know, like, like it's crazy. If if you were to go to a pornography website, like, on the front page, there will be tons of, like, stepsister or, yeah, you know, a stepmother things like this, and yeah. these are being created um, based off of like the analyzed fantasies of many people. You know, and it didn't take yeah. Freud to come up with that. An advertising system, a uh, an analytical system that just evaluates where people drift around on the internet and what content they choose to enjoy would have yeah. probably come to the same conclusion, you know? Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, uh, how, like, content gets made to fit those things. But in some ways it, like, perpetuates it, too. Um, because if, if things 
are shown, that's kind of interesting. Uh, that's a totally different idea. But like if things are shown to be like slightly, uh, if people are shown, to, oh, it's actually exactly like this. Okay. So if you think about an erotic interest, you know, people like they have like an inkling of an idea and then like they get super far down into like a fetish tract, right? Like you, mm -hmm. you, it starts with like, for instance, the ear poke in this film. And then, like, it leads you down this ridiculous spiral, right? As you get deeper and deeper into that stuff, the taboo. Okay, well, it even works that way with, like, uh, things like advertising. If you think about how if, uh, if there's some original fantasy, such as the, we'll say, the mother fantasy, the stepmother fantasy, if there's mm -hmm. some slight over-representation of that uh, in the market demographic, then things will be made for that they'll reach the front page, more people will see them, watch them, and then develop that. And then yeah, so you, and you then basically it, manufacture this new fantasy and taboo and fetish that you lead mm -hmm. people down, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know, that's just an interesting idea. I don't, no, I don't, yeah, I don't know yeah, if it's, it's necessarily like, being talked about here, but there's something well, about, yeah. Yeah, there's some kind of like feedback loop with like, you like feed the, the like machine or whatever, like the, the system, and then it like reflects it back to you. Right. And then it, like, makes it real. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah that it makes I mean, it real is a good point. Yeah, that yeah, yeah because, because, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, because, like, you would, you'd normally, like, you have a fantasy and you, like, go apply it to reality and then it, like, doesn't come back to you, you know? Like, yeah. like, it doesn't reflect back to you that fantasy is being real. And so it's, like, this thing, like, the, the screen or the, the, the cathode ray tube like reflects back your fantasy and like affirms it or whatever mm -hmm. and then like and then like the whole like professor oblivion's whole thing is he's like he's like perception is reality blah 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 and like that like what you see on the tv is just as real and like um and so and so yeah mm -hmm. and so and so uh um yeah and so and so what am I saying? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, yeah, once you kind of, like, erase that line between, like, the media being fake or whatever, then suddenly it's, like, you just get kind of, like, reflected back your your desires and stuff in such a way that, like, it, it, um, it not, it, it doesn't, like, yeah, it becomes real, but it's, like, been real the whole time or something, and, like, I don't know, suddenly everything becomes media, um, yeah. something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I don't know. How do we, I feel like there's some kind of, I mean, if the, if this, like, this, like, uh, um, I don't know. I don't really get how it controls him, you know? Mm. I don't, I don't really get that part. Like, uh, so here's one, uh, potentially even psychoanalytic idea that I just thought of. So, I mean, I never even understood or even thought about the fact that it's like a vagina in his chest, right? Yeah. Um, and it's very explicitly meant to be that way, right? Um, there's also something about how he's engaging in this, um, the ear poke, okay? So, so there's this psychoanalytic idea from Lacan that says that uh, masochism is, uh, is the primary desire like there's a primary masochistic impulse in some people and people in general but in general and then uh it can be turned into uh sadism um 
like that's how it can sublimate to find like a, a vessel because masochism is in general like bad for the host, right? Um, mm-hmm. So the idea that the sadistic drive, the drive to be sadistic is based on the desire to hurt yourself. Oftentimes, obviously, they are, uh, one, you know, they're shared by the same individual because you're a sadomasochist, you know? But, but maybe there's something about the fact that when he's poking her ear, there's some sort of, like, desire in him to be, like, controlled, hurt, things like this, as a character. Um, mm-hmm. And in general, you know, he has this, like, vagina thing, and it's, it always hurts when he's putting things in it. <laughs> Yeah. There's some, there, and, and not only that, you said uh, later on, like, there's this feeling of, like, cuckoldry going on when he, like, gets fixated on these, on the te- on the television, you know? Yeah. There's just kind of this constant um, castration thing going on with uh, Max, with the main character, um, that he's, like, lost all efficacy, and I think that, you know, there's some sort of idea, like, with the vagina being in his stomach, you know, it's not a phallus, and that's, like, his sexual organ. All he... The only time we ever, like, have an idea that he even has a sexual organ is that. Um, and when he's, like, intimate with her, what he's, he's actually, like, hurting her through the ear as opposed to, like, actually, like, having sex, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe there's something going on with that. And then he, and then this, like, maybe the pistol, the, the organic growth of the pistol, you know? This mm-hmm. is, like, in some sense, like, a new organ. So he has this, and then he also has this vagina in him. And it's, like, this, uh... What does he do with the, you know, the organized, uh, or rather the organic pistol hand? Like, he just shoots people, right? And he tries to, like, turn on people. And it's like, I kind of think about it as this whole, um, I don't know, this, this association with various, like, sexual genitalia and then what they represent as far as power dynamics. Because, like, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's like a, like a bad read, but maybe the pistol could be essentially like a phallus or an attempt at a phallus, an attempt at reclaiming some sort of power, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, something like that. Versus earlier, he's been like a cuckold, and he's had well, this, this like these tapes put in him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe, but but the, I, uh, yeah, I don't I don't really know about that about the the pistol being some kind of like trying to reclaim the the the, the power of the phallus or something like this. But um, yeah, maybe I don't really know. But but one thing that's interesting is that like the the he becomes some kind of like plug and play like he's like a video he's like a videotape player you know yeah yeah and they like plug in like the ideology mm-hmm. and then he runs it um he plays it out mm-hmm. but um uh i don't know there's got to be some way to kind of connect these two ideas of like the the kind of ideological like what's going on ideologically with these videotapes and um and it being like the the whole sexual imagery. Yeah. Stuff. Well, I definitely think in general, you know, all, all, like aside from the like the phallus point, the the idea being that it 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 is still a failure. Like it is still not him actually trying to reclaim the phallus or anything. It, it is like he's brainwashed either way. Maybe yeah. maybe, maybe get rid of the phallus and just say these ideologies are offering some sort of method of power and something that he's lacking in general, you know? In general, he's lacking power because he's castrated by the fact that he's constantly enamored with the object, the film, you know? With, like, uh-huh. the screen the screen, and things like that. And that he, you know, and even in his sexual acts, I, I do think that this whole masochism idea still stands or something like that. That, like, Max is an extremely impotent character 
and that um, through his sadistic interests, it's actually masking some sort of ultimate like cuckoldry. Um, I think that there's a relationship between those two things. And then, yeah, that the, the gun is just like this way out, this way out that ideology can offer um, that, you know, like gives you some semblance of power or something like that. It allows you to convince yourself that you're not as impotent as you are, maybe. I don't know. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's like the only way for him to kind of, yeah, reclaim some kind of um, not being, like, cucked or whatever mm -hmm. is by... I don't know, being even, like, to, to, to play into the, yeah. like, the role of power that the being cucked has given him or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, like, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's him, like, whipping the TV or whatever mm -hmm. as well. Um, it's, like, he's, like, being given, like, control or whatever, like, total control, but it's, like, he's still, like, separate from the object. Um... Um. And at the end, she says something like, uh, it's because you've gone about as far as you can with things being the way they are, or something like that. Um, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe we can look at Max and just think of him as, like, a case study of somebody who's being pulled by various ideologies and media being the obvious like uh, vehicle for them and that you know at the end of it all once you're so deep down the rabbit hole there is some sort of like mm, temptation to really just give in to whatever it is you know um, yeah. and then by giving in you think you might you know achieve some rebirth or like new identity that the ideology offers you Mm -hmm. which, is, which is in some way why I think the phallus, because there's this idea that the phallus, even if it's fake, the phallus enjoys things for you. Like, for instance, the obvious case is if you are a soldier, you adorn the uniform. Uh, maybe we'll leave out soldier. Well, whatever. Uh, maybe a better one might be like the construction worker or something like that. or Somebody who works a hard job no, no, no. The soldier works perfectly. If you're like a soldier who um, has to stand at the ready, you know, at all times, you think maybe the, uh, in Britain, you know how they have those guys who stand there and they're not allowed to look at anyone, the Royal Guard or whatever? Yeah. Okay, they are deriving an enjoyment that leads them to do that pos that job. And it in their enjoyment, though, they're not allowed to feel themselves themselves, you know, they have to, like, basically repress tons of, like, emotions and things like that as they stand there all stalwart, you know? Yeah. The, the enjoyment is instead through the phallic authority that, that, that they're uh, subtending. They're enjoying the fact that they exist as this thing without emotions and this, this unit of this, like, greater structure of, like, nationalistic identity, power, authority, the queen, all sorts of things, you know? But those mm -hmm. are all, like, ideologies associated with in this case, the phallus, the phallus just being like this, uh, this invisible object that like, uh, convinces you it has power, and so it has power. Like, it has power through the fact that it convinces you. Okay, tying that back to Videodrome, I think there is some sort of thing when he says, long live the new flesh, 
I think maybe there is some sort of like giving into this phallic authority. And, and like a phallic authority isn't necessarily a good thing. Phallic authority can be synonymous with ideology. So like it can be the case that like get, you give one yourself, you give oneself up to the military, to whatever your job is, a construction worker, to the social order for better or worse. These are all like systems of ideology that you give yourself up to uh, for enjoyment. Um, yeah, I don't know. And he kills himself, and he says, long live the new flesh, and there's some sort of new flesh idea uh, associated with this. I don't know. Yeah. It, yeah, 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 anyways. No, 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 I, no, it's all good. I just, I, I don't know, I don't know, uh, I don't know what to say immediately. Um, he, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, man, I mean, penis. I, I think, I think, I think uh, my first thought with like the new flesh thing is that um, you have like there's some kind of disconnect like with with Professor Oblivion or whatever there's some kind of disconnect between um, like he, he says like perception is reality you know mm-hmm. but like he's dead you know so he only lives in like perception of other people you know right and um yeah, I mean, there, there's some kind of idea about, like, yeah, maybe, like, you can't prove reality is beyond perception, um, but that, I mean, you still can't kill yourself and exist, like, in, in, like, you still don't exist to yourself or something like that, that, like, uh, you exist only in other people's perception if you're to do that, like, become, become an image, um, and only an image, mm-hmm. um, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it might be some kind of rejection of, like, I mean, yeah, if you, like, believe perception is reality or whatever, it's, like, you can't, like, prove that there are, like, other minds, you know? And so it's, like, you see everybody in the same way that uh, everyone sees, like, Dr. Oblivion in the film, you know? Right. Like, and, and that's that's how you perceive other, like, quote-unquote, like, real people or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and the film seems to kind of, like, ultimately reject that as being totally true because he kills himself and then the movie's over, you know? Like, he's dead. Like, yeah, yeah. he doesn't he doesn't continue to exist as an image. Um, yeah. Though he didn't record himself a bunch. Although they did record his hallucinations for him. Um, yeah. With that one device, so maybe... Yeah, I, I mean, well, I... Yeah. No, but I, I agree with your point in general. I, I agree that at the end, uh, like, the movie does end when Max dies, and that is in stark contrast to Oblivion's, uh, uh, you know, ideology or something like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um... When I think of Oblivion, though, I think of him really giving in to, you know, uh, not just the philosophy of perception is reality. I think that that, that's kind of like a rationalization to him giving in to this other ideology, which is something like, uh, hmm. I can't even quite tell what Oblivion's goal is. 
or what his daughter's goals are. Do you know? I can't um, even. I can't even really understand I mean, them. Well, okay. So it seems that. So I. I don't know about Doctor Oblivion, but I have some. I have a thought that him and his daughter are separate in what they want to do. She seems to be like. She's like devastated that her dad has died, and she's like, okay, well, I need to destroy the thing that has caused this, you know? Right, right. That like, and and so so she's so she's basically like doing the same thing back at the uh, the thing that killed her dad, you know, by like creating this image of her father or whatever, like living on, you know, and like trying to pe- get people to be scared of Videodrome and not to watch it and blah, blah, blah. And then eventually she, like, instrumentalizes Max the same way that they instrumentalized him. But I don't know if that's necessarily, like, Dr. Oblivion's point of view. Right, true. His his philosophy. Like, it doesn't seem to me... It seems to me that he's just, like... um, he He seems to be... Oh, I wish I could recall everything he said. Well, he, uh, he says something like he's he was content on his deathbed, or something like that. Doesn't he say something like that? Oh, does he? I don't know. Or, or rather, the daughter says that. The daughter says something about how he died, like, you know, amicably or something like that. You know, peaceably. Uh, mm-hmm. I forget. I forget what she says exactly. And I think it was bec- it was during the conversation where she says like he's recorded doubt. He spent his like. Sometime hundreds a day or something like that, you know, um, yeah. like just recording these this trove of uh, of uh, monologues of him. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, which which doesn't seem like her because she is afraid of being killed. She says something like, "I see, so they sent you to kill me. I was afraid they'd send you to kill me." Um, she's operating in kind of like a state of fear or something like that and resistance, whereas the dad did kind of just give in. Yeah. Hold on, I'm I'm watching it right now, and here's some here's some lines that seem seem important. So she says he had so much to offer. My father helped create Videodrome. He saw it as the next phase in the evolution of man as a technological animal. When he realized what his partners were going to use it for, he tried to take it away from them, and they killed him quietly. So. Um, Okay, so he helped, like, create Videodrome, or whatever. So, I mean, I, th- I think his whole thing is, like, embracing this, like, new organ of media as being, like, real or something, and as being, like, a, an, another, like, form of perception, and, like, supposedly using it for good, but I don't know if it's ever explicitly said, like, what he wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, some relevant things. So, the only reason this came to mind is because, so, you know the term newsphere? Newosphere? Nosphere? Newsphere? No. It's, um, maybe I can get a quick definition. A philosophical concept developed and popularized by the Russian and Ukrainian bio, biogeochemist Vladimir Vernansky and the French philosopher and Jesuit priest Pierre Teilhard de Chardin. It's a new state of the biosphere. Uh, it's called the sphere of reason. It's the highest stage of biospheric development. It's defining fa- defining factor being the development of humankind's rational activities. Okay, and if we 
if we think though, like, I think uh, I read, I saw there's a book by um, Don DeLillo Point Omega, which is related to this idea because Peter Telhard de Chardin, the Jesuit priest who coined the term back in the day, um, believed that the Omega Point was tied to the Noosphere and it was this moment of total unification in the universe, like between like all like conscious entities or something like that. Um, and there seems like something like that is going on with um, with with Doctor Oblivion, in that he craves some sort of uh, next stage unification between all consciousness, uh, but in the form of like video drum or like. Uh, media or something like that, you know? Um, yeah, okay, okay. Something like that is going on. And I think it's relevant, too, that, you know, it is a church, you know, and that the guy who was talking about this idea was a reverend um, back way back in the day. And mm. I, I can believe that there's some influence there in, in like, how they uh, constructed the character. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that all seems pretty accurate, though. But... Well, what do you make of, like, the mission or whatever, like, um, like, what they do is they have people come in who don't have access to TVs and, like, give them their, their content or whatever for the day? Maybe, maybe, it, maybe it's an effort as a church to, like, you know, lead people to the new spirit, lead people to this kind of moment of unification, which has to do with, I mean, in a warped way, like... Uh, total submission to, like, I don't know, like, I don't know, like, me media and its ideology really broadly. Because they're not watching the same show, that's what's interesting, right? Yeah. Um, but they're all watching a show. Uh, I don't know. Or maybe you could see it as they're kind of, it's kind of like giving people, so it's like giving people, um, food to tide them over for, like, rapture type of idea. Yeah. Or something like that. Um, like, this is, this is something they need until they can truly exist in, like, the unified consciousness or something. I don't know. Mm. I just thought the scene was fun. <laughs> no, yeah. I like the, the whole idea is, I, I love the idea of, like, uh, I don't know, like, homeless people coming in instead of, like, giving them food or whatever. Like, you're like, I need to give them, like, sustenance. Except it's TV. <laughs> yeah, well, and what what it made me think of is, uh, at the UCSB library, you know, like, and in general, libraries, dude, homeless people come in all the time, and they just hang out there all day, usually just, like, watching YouTube videos and stuff. Like, mm. there was some dude just watching Twitch streams, and he was a homeless guy watching Twitch streams. He was watching, like, Overwatch players. And I thought it was just so bonkers that people would be homeless and yet watching, you know, Overwatch on a computer, you know? And he had, like, earbuds he plugged into the old, like, cheap earbuds that he plugged into the machine, you know? Oh, that's so crazy. But, you know, and it's essentially, it's essentially like that because, you know, they're getting these free... Um, library cards, you know, they have to apply for, I'm sure, so that they can access the internet, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and it is very much 
like a church in that way, you know, people, you know, the school and the library give them out to the homeless people as some way of like offering them like some sort of, it's like a meal, you know, because meals themselves are probably, at least in like first, you know, in first world and in some parts of America, you know, they're not, they're not nearly the same level of like essential as they used to be because mm-hmm. like there's so many food drives and ways of acquiring at least enough to get by food-wise, you know? Yeah. Um, even if it means, like, digging through trash or something like that. But, like, you know, the next... So what's the next thing that we need? It's, like, we need the basic necessity of consumptive media, <laughs> which is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, one part that kind of struck me is... Um, the first time we see Nikki at, like, her job or whatever, which is this yeah. radio show host. Right, yeah. And it's, it's like, her job, she's, I mean, it's, like, entertainment, you know, like, but that the whole point of it, like, the whole kind of facade of it is, like, we're helping people or yeah. something. And, like, it, it seems like she basically convinces this person that she has enough of a problem that she needs to, like, buy some product or something or some service and then sends her over to whatever service it is for, like, psychological help. Yeah, something um, like that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there, there, there's some kind of, there's some kind of, like, uh, uh, like, uh, um, idea of, like, yeah, and, like, yeah, yeah, and, like, as well as, like, some kind of, like, creation of, like, the, 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 um, mental illness or oh, something. Oh, oh but yeah, yeah. Yeah, the creation of the mental illness and then providing a solution for it and that, like, the solution isn't... it. Like, the solution actually may become... may come before the problem exists, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, like, by, like, reflecting it back at them, it be- the problem becomes real mm-hmm. um, in the same way that the, the sexual fantasies or whatever become real by reflecting it back at, at Max. Yeah, that's really good. I think I think that's definitely a play. There's something I mean, just the the ridiculous amount of like erotic satisfaction she seems to be getting at the end of that call, you know? Nikki, mm-hmm. I mean. Nikki's like like she's like super exhausted, but she seems like she's kind of just been having this extremely like uh emotional uh, like, I don't know, I, I read it as, like, a very erotic moment for her, you know? At least that's kind of, like, the sign she was giving off, even though it wasn't sexual in nature at all, you know? It's like this, she's like a helpline, you know, an advice column, you know? Yeah, but, but uh, like, the way she's talking and everything, and she's, yeah. like, all breathing hard, and... Yeah, and that radio voice, yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it is. I think it is. I think you're right that there's some sort of uh, construction of the solution and this feedback loop going on, where people will call in with inklings of problems, you know, just the same way one would engage in some sort of like inkling of a sexual fantasy, and then the media would latch onto it, uh, you know, in its in its extremely deft hands. It would kind of like propagate the fantasy until until it leads you towards something. So in this case, for her, the media is Nikki, who convinces her, as you said, to go get this solution, which is like this therapy service or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm sure like 
basically everybody who calls in could use therapy, probably, right? Like, so there's, there's something about, you know, this particular one could be, uh, you know, especially, we know nothing about the real things she's suggesting, you know, but, uh, but that there, there's something like the person who's going to call into a helpline is probably going to want, like, could probably benefit or, like, could probably need therapy or could be, like, could see themselves as going there. So it's her job just to convince them. Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I, I've Which, like, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think that the, uh, yeah... I mean, but yeah, I think this is essentially what the, what this, like, uh, optical, what are they called again? Spectacular optics. Yeah, what spectacular optics is doing as well. No, I mean, I mean, they're like, uh, convincing you that some, some thing that is, like, some fantasy or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. like, is real, and then, and then by doing so, it, like, it, like, becomes real. Right. And then... And then they, and then they use that to control you, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, which, like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I mean, uh, not to not to cite any like. Wish I had an example that wasn't like a hot topic or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, I think this happens all the time with like political media in general, kind of like instrumentalizing problems. Yeah, which is yeah. kind of like psyops, psyops in general, like the whole concept of psyops. Yeah. Um, like reflecting back, like possibly a real problem, and then making it real. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then making like offering the solution within the reflecting back the problem, and that and then that that action becomes real or something like something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, do you know what's interesting about when he he gets shot by the TV, you know? Mm-hmm. Is that, like, the, the TV becomes his flesh, you know? Yeah, yeah, it believes and, and it's Yeah, and it's literally reflecting back him. Mm-hmm. Um, or, like, his mental state. Because it turns out he didn't actually get shot. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's kind of a crazy moment. Yeah, you might think you might think it's like a, because it's it's what causes the shots. First, he sees the image of Nikki, right, and he gets told that it was always fake, or she was being used, or something, or she died, right? Uh-huh. They killed her. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that and correct? Then, yeah. 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 So and, and there's there's yeah. something like. I mean, there's something like he he has this like recognition, this epiphany moment where like, uh, the ideology that he had been dabbling in or the fantasy that he'd been dabbling in that became like this ideological service like he realized that it like had forsaken him and basically taken away something he loved slash he's just he's a uh, disillusioned or something like that you know um, yeah and then but you know and this speaks to how ideology always latches onto people like that person is so now and like now so mind fucked that they're going to latch on to the next one that's like a counter and a reactionary like uh, pushback against it, you know? Yeah. So, so now he's going to latch on to the Church of Cathode Ray and become like a fucking psyop, like a uh, killer for them instead. Uh, yeah. Like, and it, and it totally is, it totally is how uh, ideology functions for like a lot of people. And like a lot of people end up driven to like pretty ridiculous actions because of this like 
uh, backlash, this whiplash they get from recognizing that they're not, that the ideology that they've been uh, serving was bad, then they just like double down on this other one because they hate what they had been or something like that, or hate what had taken control of them before. Yeah, and, um, well, okay, another thing is that the second he gets disillusioned, like, what comes up on the screen is himself. Mm. And so it's like, it's something like some kind of recognition that, like, what he's been watching is has been, like, uh, uh, it reflecting back his, um, his desires or something. Yeah. Um, and that, like, that... Um, yeah, and, and, and that and, and that's been like his own projection or something. Yeah, we might we might also, I mean, I don't know how far I want to go into this again, but like down this down this stupid line of thinking, I don't think it's stupid, but I don't know what else I could say. But maybe the fact that he's bleeding, there is it it brings us to this masochist slash cuckold situation that Max finds himself. Because I think the masochist and the cuckold. The cuck, you know, cucked people, like, there, there is some sort of relationship between the two. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. And, and that this is just, like, further imagery supporting that, like, the fact that it's his image and the fact that it's bleeding for him, you know, uh, mm -hmm. something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And things are always operating for people, which is really weird. Like, the television always stands in place of a person. Um, but I guess ultimately the television is always like the fantasy or rather the perception of Max. Like is it, like as in every time the television is taking on this uh, uh, anthropomorph anthropomorphized anthropomorph anthropomorphic yeah. quality, um, it is Max ultimately. Even when it's taking on Nikki, we learn that Nikki really is just a fantasy of him. Um, and, yeah, maybe there's, maybe there's something to that, too. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's, that all sounds, sounds right to me. The, um... Uh, I'm trying to think of other scenes or, like, moments that can feed into this a little bit more. I still don't, I don't understand why, okay, so, th if we can come up with something that's a little more concrete about what the, the, the older woman, like, represents, you know? Yeah, Masha, yeah. Yeah, that, that is going to, I think, make the reason why, like, it turns out that he was whipping her or whatever, and then he's, like, horrified that he's, like, killed her, you know? Yeah, I, I think, I think something in line with this this really loose network of ideas we're kind of painting here is Masha is as was mentioned like a representative of like the old and uh, like the the old systems of romance and belief uh, that functioned relatively well back in the day so like you know you think of like 50s America like there's of course it has problems but there is some sort of feeling like maybe there's some sort of sanctity to it like people were just people were brainwashed but it was okay you know like things worked out you know that might be like some sort of idea you can imagine someone having about the 50s right um mm -hmm. 
like this romantic view of the 50s and of what life was like when you could just be controlled by something and it and it felt it still felt real and pure and good like something like that mm-hmm. um, because like ultimately she sells like softcore porn so I think it she's still like not she's not like benevolent but there's something like at least pure or like less heinous you know um, yeah and uh, you know there's some sort of act like like we as a society uh, as modernity or something like that uh, we've kind of like uh, we've killed that sort of innocent um, like control like rather like being controlled by something that is innocent such as like old cliche views of love you know of marriage and things like that and mm-hmm. instead we prefer the, the gratuity and things like that um, yeah I mean and so her getting whipped is kind of like maybe just a moment, like a symbolic moment of like Max's sh- showing what we have done in general in our resistance of like the old view or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But the fact that she is she is uh, an object of desire, though, is interesting. That it's not just like. That it's like, yeah, it's like through his pursuit of like uh, uh, obtaining or or like I don't know this whole fantasy or whatever that he's participating in and having like reflected back to him that it's like through that that she gets killed. Yeah. Um, right, right. She is still she's still connected to his fantasy and perception. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um. If we can, if we can go back to the uh, to the script line. Okay. Uh, he actually looks at the camera. He looks at the camera, and then that's when he says, "There ain't much to see here, but take your time and have a good look anyway." Yeah, I'm looking for it again. Here we go. Well, hello, sport, Brody. <laughs> yeah, and then he, he looks over at the camera and says, "Well, that's a good one." And then there ain't much to see. And then there ain't much to see or take your time and have a good look anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah. And I, I, I think, I think this line, like he, like he pointed out, does connect to the play at the end that they're putting on when he kills Spectacular Optical Guy. Um. This whole like this whole idea that the uh, creator Cronenberg is aware that I, I kind of like that reading where like one has to adorn some sort of glasses to be able to make sense of uh, like some sort of ideological framework in order to make sense of media and things like that to analyze things you know mm-hmm. um, and then like through that like maybe art can be made or something like that because when, when the head is revealed in the box you know um, and the bust of the head comes out yeah I think they're all still wearing their glasses, and yeah, well, I think got, of, yeah, 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 they've made the glasses into these little like like uh, uh, like masks or whatever, like a masquerade type. Yeah, like, yeah. Masks, and then they're all looking at it and stuff as he's doing that. Yeah, and I think of you know that self-awareness uh, coming from the uh, director, you know that. Cronenberg has this moment where 
he has uh, the eyeglass salesman talk to Max, basically reference the film, its shortcomings and the necessities of you as a viewer, you know? And then, yeah. and then also re- like depicts it in this play, I think. Mm-hmm. As opposed to earlier, he basically just spoke to you as the audience. Yeah, I think there's something to that, yeah. That's how I would read it. What do you think? No, I think I think that's accurate. Uh, yeah, it's something, yeah, something about, like, yeah, the, like, necessary participation of the audience to, like, uh, believe the, the, to, yeah, to adorn one hell of a script <laughs> in order to like, make anything of what's going on, yeah. um, but, I don't know, I mean, it's interesting because, because, like, um, the film is ultimately, like, a condemnation of the, of the, of the glasses, no, I mean, in, in some ways. Yeah, yeah, or at least a, yeah, I mean, maybe a futile one, too, like, yes, a condemnation, but, you know, it doesn't all offer like an escape or like an end, an end. It, like, there's nothing redemptive about the ending, really. You know. Yeah. Uh. Like. So, it it could just be in that sense, like kind of wallowing, I suppose, um, in the problem. You know, not in a bad way, but just some things are like that. You know. Mm-hmm. Where they point out a problem, but then don't really offer a solution. And then they even point out solutions or potential solutions that really are just even worse, you know, which is kind of funny, which is, I think, the cathode ray mission idea. Mm-hmm. Like, to kill to kill this guy, you know, like, is even worse. Like, like by the end, it's he, he's in no better shape than when he hadn't become a vessel for the cathode ray mission. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, the cathode ray... Cathode ray mission, like the whole point is that you're you're going to like sacrifice your autonomy for a greater goal. Like has nothing to do with like yeah. making him. It's like I don't know. It's like y- you're not gonna be you. You're gonna be an instrument. You're gonna be like a cog in the in the the machine of like the greater good or whatever. Right. And that like that's that's what yeah. I mean they don't they don't like promise him any kind of like well they they I don't know some kind of like freedom from this ideology so that you're with the good ideology now or something like that yeah and I think at the end we see him look like he picks up the bottle it's empty he picks up the cigarette pack it's empty but he still has the television which appears you know this hallucinatory television that appears Uh when he's in the harbor freight or in the you know the the boat or whatever Uh um there's something very oh wow by the way is there anything hold on psalm 78:12 okay so oh, okay. i didn't even realize this okay so on the sign he reads it or it's like it, it focuses on it for a moment hold on one second one second okay it says condemned vessel by order of toronto harbor commissioners by law number 78-12 I just looked it up. Psalm seventy-eight, twelve. Let's see what it. Let's see what we got. He did <laughs> miracles in the sight of their ancestors in the land of Egypt, in the region of Zoan. All right, never mind. I have no idea if that relates to anything. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, th- maybe there's nothing. 
Maybe there's nothing there. I just wanted to look it up just in case. Well, I don't know. I mean, the the sign, like, why have the shot of the sign? Right. And, I mean, there, I don't know. and there's a heart, too, it looks like, or something like that. What is that icon to the right of the 78 12? Looks like, it looks like some kind of, like, royal symbol or something. It looks like a crown on top of it. A little oval. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Some kind of insignia. Um. Condemned vessel by order of Toronto Harbor Commissioners. Bylaw number 7812. Hold on. I don't know. I don't know, man. But. <laughs> I, I will. I, yeah, filtered. But I. I. Uh, one thing that's kind of interesting is I thought that when he's watching himself kill himself, you know, mm -hmm. I thought it was going to end when he's watching himself, and it's some right, kind of, like, to. synthesis. Mm -hmm. It's some kind of synthesis where it's like, yeah, he has already become, like, the video or something. But the mm -hmm. fact that you watch it twice, I don't know, it was kind of, that, that, that whole scene is so crazy, I thought it was so cool, but... I don't, I don't have anything to say it, about it. Is his hand messed up in the, in the real act of killing himself? I think it is. Damn. Yeah, it is. That doesn't play into what you're going to say. Or what well, no, it, it doesn't really matter. I, I just, it's like, maybe there, sometimes I just feel like there could have been more to the film, but that's a really bad way to approach it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Oh, but the thing I was saying about how he looks for the cigarettes and alcohol, I mean, all I wanted to say about that is... This is like a very fitting place to end a film, to end someone's life. Uh, ramshackle place, he's searching for other, you know, drugs, and instead he gets this other drug, which is the film, the ideology, and it, it's what kills him. It's like an OD, essentially. I think of it as an OD, you know? It's an OD on media. Yeah, something like that. Or like fantasy. On ideology. Ideology, all that stuff, yeah. Yeah, because you can imagine, like, hypodermic needles everywhere. Instead, there's just cigarettes and booze, but... Yeah. <sighs> well, do you have any other thoughts? Maybe we could, uh, maybe we could give some final thoughts here. What um... You got any more? In general? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like... If I, if I can say, I feel like it probably would have been good if we found some, like, like a couple essays or something. Even though I do think that, uh, though this has not been the smoothest podcast, <laughs> uh, we, uh, I mean, I don't know, I feel, I feel a little more satisfied, um, with the ideas going on in this film, but, um, ultimately I think it would have been nice to, like, get a little bit more grounding or something. Yeah, I agree with the essay idea or like reading something about it, and I. But I also and I also agree that I think I think second, I think second half of this podcast is pretty decent. Yeah. Uh, I think the first third is pretty bad. <laughs> oh my god! Wait, are you being recorded right now though? Oh my god! No. What do we do? Okay. I'm going to keep recording.
for the for the listeners on their commute, uh, John has had some technical problems, uh, and emotional ones, I'm sure, and physical ones at some point in his life. But uh, but right now he's working on plugging in his his uh, audio recording device. We're back. Uh, oh. I'm back. It's oh. recording. Oh, hello. All right. Okay. Um, so your finishing thoughts. Again. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to say the first first third of this podcast not so good. I think the second half's better. I think talking about ideology is probably the right way to go because I think fantasy ideology uh, and like sexuality can all s- coexist in the same network of ideas pretty well. Um, not that I think that I did slash we did. You know, we didn't, like, do it justice here, you know? Uh, yeah, not at all. But, uh, you know, <laughs> it was an attempt, and I think we finally approached that idea, or that network of ideas, like, about halfway through, which is cool. Um, let's see. Any other closing thoughts? I mean, I thought that... I thought Julie Kaner's character, Connor's character, Friday, which I thought was Friday, the whole movie, um... His assistant, you know, his secretary? Oh, yeah. So lovable. She yeah. she was both cute, she was nice. You know, I it's just so sad that dumb old Max Wren couldn't have just loved Friday, you know? And, like, maybe she's married, who knows? But, uh, yeah, that was just a thought. I'm just looking at a still of her right now, that's why I'm thinking about it. And she, like, comes to, like, try and help him. She's like, what's wrong? What's wrong, Max? You know? Yeah. Yeah. She's like, Can, do you want me to stay over? Oh, and he says no. And he says don't Just, touch that the, to the film. Like, he's protective of it. It's so sad. Yeah. So sad. Just like this podcast. Yeah, just like this podcast. <laughs> okay, uh, should we give a rating? Yeah, we should give, we should give our numbers. Alright. Should I go first? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you should go first. Um... So, I enjoyed watching this movie. I'd like to, I'd like to watch it again. Um, yeah, I'd like to watch it again just for like further understanding it. But yeah, I mean, I, I really felt there was a lot to be had here uh, that that I wasn't, I wasn't fully getting. But either way, I very much enjoyed watching it. So, yeah, I'll be watching this one again. Uh, but yeah, that being said, it's hard to hard to give a review give a nice number mm. um but i will i'll probably i'll probably give a 3.5 oh wow okay i think that's a pretty good number that's yeah, like it's solid yeah that's solid i mean that means the movie that means the movie did well overall yeah yeah i mean i th- yeah i think so i mean and, and even if even if it's just kind of like the the uh like the more like aesthetic like more superficial things that i liked about the movie i still i felt that the whole thing felt very cohesive and in that in that right like it i liked all the the imagery and stuff like how it it very much felt like a very a very particular aesthetic was being achieved that i hadn't i hadn't seen done before like this so i mean if if only for that i think that it it bumps it up to something a little above average yeah, yeah. I think 
I basically agree. I'm going to one-up you just a tiny bit and say 3.6. Oh. 3. oh, wow, okay. Uh, it's well, number if it's I had a pissing, in my if it's a pissing before, contest. What did you say? Oh, never mind. I was saying if it's a pissing contest, I'll, I'm, I'm going to say 3.7. Okay, you can make 3. it 3.7. 3. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm going to stick in 3.5. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, <laughs> nothing's worse than a pissing contest with yourself. <laughs> um, uh, no, I mean, the movie, the movie was engrossing. I enjoyed it. Engrossing. Gross. Uh, it was really, like, gross. It was engrossing. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think... While I was watching it, especially the first quarter of the film, I was really liking it. I'd say I stopped loving it as much about halfway, and then I liked it again in the closing act. So, yeah, I mean, good movie. I'd have to watch it again, but not only that, I'd probably just read something about it. I'm not super confident that I'm missing a bunch here, but I think yeah. that I'm missing enough for me to give some benefit of the doubt that it's yeah. got some more to got some more for me, you know. So yeah. Three point six. I, yeah, I, th I think this would be like because we didn't. I feel as though we didn't miss a whole ton. We just didn't have it super concrete right from the beginning. I think that this uh, this would have this would have gone much better if we like loved this movie, you know. Yeah. Like, and and then it was just us going like, oh my gosh, this blah blah blah, this this this, you know. Because mm -hmm. uh, I don't know, there's a lot to appreciate about this movie. I mean, if if only for like the the practical effects, like the makeup and stuff, they were so awesome, yeah, so cool, like the breathing TV and all this, yeah, like and and the time and the times you switch into the film, you know, and it's still got like VHS tear on it or whatever, but like mm -hmm. so yeah. like there's like a few moments where like for instance in the cab ride, it like zooms in on the graphic effect like you're entering uh -huh. it and then and then it pulls out and he's watching it on the screen and then it's back into it and then back out there's, yeah. a, there's a lot of moments like that um, that are pretty fun totally. yeah yeah very fun okay well um I guess this 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 uh, solo saga except not solo duo, duo. saga Man. duo yeah, we're not flying solo, we're flying duo. Yeah. It's come to an end. Um, and we'll see everyone later. Yeah, maybe this will see, maybe this will never see the light of day. Maybe it'll yeah, be maybe up and it'll be our hottest one, we'll see. <laughs> um, Alright. Alright, Goodbye, everyone. everyone. Bye.